0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Tulisane Podcast. We are here today with two guests. It's my first time doing a two-guest show, so I'm pretty excited. I'm also very excited for who we have today because, well, for me, I think their project touches on one of my... Um, loves and that's history and that's the history of the country so i'm really excited to have a little bit discussion about their documentary topic so yes um A little bit of introductions. My name is Theresa, and the podcast is our Afro-optimistic space where we're learning through daring to ask questions. And today we're celebrating storytelling through the documentary of Mavingo and Beote. They are a documentary duo taking on the telling of the Mau Mau from the perspective of the Embu. Now, I met them watching a little bit of an introduction to their documentary at the Unseen Cinema in Nairobi, and the documentary is launching. I can't wait for when the whole uh, documentary comes out because I think it's going to be a little bit of an educational piece, and if not, well, it speaks to something that we all need to learn about. Yeah, so missing stories on the Mau Mau with Birte and Mavingo. Hi, welcome. Hi, Teresa. Hi, how are you doing? (laughs) Good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's it's, um, about 10 o'clock here in Nairobi, and we have. First of all, I think you're a fascinating duo. <laughs> Beate. at Unseen, when we spoke, we were like, oh, or even today, you're like, you're just in the background. And um, I'm very interested in how you guys came to, you know, working together. Who are you guys? What's your vision about it? Your philosophy behind your journalism for Beate And um, documentary for Mavingo? Yeah, so... Let's learn a little bit more about who we do have on the studio and so Mavingo, this is Dennis Mavingo, a 30 year old photographer and filmmaker based in Nairobi, Kenya. He has work in portrait and fashion photography. He's also known for his documentary work on animal and environmental issues. Mavingo's work has been featured in publications such as The Guardian, The Irish Times, and the World Animal Protection website. He's passionate about telling stories about the beauty and resilience of the Kenyan people, as well as the challenges they face. He believes that photography can be a powerful tool for social change, and he hopes that his work will inspire others to make a difference in the world. In addition to his photography work, Mabingo is also a film director. He is currently working on a documentary film on the Mau Mau resistance in Embu and often not much appreciated aspect of the Mau Mau being that they were more than just the Kikuyu in involvement. Mavingo's work is both beautiful and thought-provoking and he's sure to continue to make a significant impact in the world. Welcome on the show, Mavingo.
1: Thank you so much, Trilla.
0: Thanks. And he's accompanied, accompanied by his... I'm going to call you a sidekick because... <laughs> please, <laughs> I please think do. you like... <laughs> <laughs> so Bierte is a freelance journalist she's working on the film with mavingo yes true and they met about five years ago while she was in kenya on internship and Beata loves reporting about people who inspire others something about Her that I love because I think it's totally in the essence of this podcast about supporting others, supporting people who are alert to the need to fight for social justice and those whose voices deserve to be heard. Beate also loves people who live and love despite the sometimes destructive world around them. And I think those are words to live by in this day and age. So you guys welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And I think, well, we're talking about history. So I think a good place to start will be Mavingo. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your history. Like, how did you end up the Mavingo who we've heard about? <laughs>
1: um, so, yeah, um, let me just start again with my name. My full name is Dennis Mavingo. I am a photographer mm-hmm. and a filmmaker mm-hmm. I'm based here in Nairobi. Um, I grew up, I was born and raised in Embu, Embu County. Um, most of my time was spent around Embu Town, but I I was always going to my grandparents' place uh, maybe every holiday. That's like three out of the 12 months in a year. Um, so that is kind of how i got interested in the topic that we are talking about today about the mau mau okay. because my grandparents especially my grandfather was very passionate about the topic yeah
0: so you used to go home for the holidays
1: yeah so so when i say home i mean up country mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like my grandparents live maybe 20 or 30 kilometers away from where my parents lived or where i was raised oh, okay and it's like, you know, the typical Central Kenya thing. You have to go visit your grandparents every holiday or every once in a while. Yeah, so that's how I ended up having these several conversations with my grandfather. And he told us all these stories about um, his brothers who were Mau Mau fighters mm-hmm. and generally how it affected his family and the the society around like where he lived. And the area... Where my grandparents are from is called Manyata slash Cavotere. It's like, maybe it's like between here and Westlands or something like that. It's a very short distance. So that's mostly where we got some of the stories that we included in our project. Okay. Yeah.
0: And that these stories you remember from way back when?
1: When I was a kid. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my grandfather passed away in 2012. Okay, um, But as we were growing up, he spoke to us about his experiences in life. And I feel like there's things he wanted to let out of his chest and he did not know how. So he told us his experiences and the experiences of the people he loved. Um, and that's how he came up. Um, from the stories he told us, I thought we should start... Um, a project. I started I started the project as a simply as a photography project and uh it morphed into a documentary.
0: <laughs> what led to that?
1: Yeah. So my my grandfather told us about his brothers. He had brothers and stepbrothers So like his dad who was called Mavengo had several wives and so that's your great
0: grandfather?
1: Yeah, Movingo is my great-grandfather. Okay. That's like where I get my name from. Okay. My grandfather told us about how his family got mixed up into the fight for independence. And his brothers ended up as Mau fighters. Maybe for background, Mau fighters were the people, it was a group of people who were fighting up against the colonial rule in Kenya. And it was formed in the, let me say the early 50s and it was active until maybe the late 50s very act- that's like the, the period when they were very active and they took up arms against the the british and the british after a few years after the mau mau started they the british were able to overpower the mau mau mm-hmm. um, because i mean they were well equipped um, they had trained soldiers uh, they had experience with war and they had guns. They had weapons <laughs> <laughs> that were more sophisticated than the Mau Mau. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my grandfather told me about how all his brothers went to fight, uh-huh. but he was left behind. And the reason why he was left behind was because he was among the younger ones. And uh <laughs> he just, his, someone asked him why he he wants his mother to remain without a son, like if goes to fight like the rest, he would remain as a... His mom would remain Yeah, without, without a son. Cha-
0: that's sad. Yeah, that, so I mean, that's brave <laughs> on his part of wanting to fight, but, yeah, but sad of the mm. implication of what fighting would have meant.
1: Yeah, so that's kind of how... I, st- I started thinking about the project a long time ago. When I was in college, I went to KIMC, Kenya Institute of Mass Communication. And I initially, I wanted to just do it first as a film, Mm-hmm. And then I realized I'm not a very good screenwriter. So <laughs> I <laughs> so I ended up talking to Beata about doing a photography project on the topic.
0: What were you studying?
1: I was studying film directing and production.
0: Film directing. Okay. Yeah. But you didn't feel like <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at directing, not so good at writing. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah. So that's
0: interesting. I think that's something for them to pick up. Then maybe that's something they need to supplement in their curriculum.
1: Yeah.
0: If you didn't feel like you are sufficiently <laughs> <laughs>
1: equipped. No, I, I just think there are um, people are talented differently. So I think my strengths ah, are somewhere okay, else. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. understandable. Mm.
0: Okay. Great. So so you have the historical attachment to the story. Your grandfather's personally involved through his brothers i mean i feel for him i feel i feel his uh, his I, <laughs> I i feel uh, I feel like i embody that need yeah. like i want to fight but yeah. i just couldn't for couple of reasons. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we'll, we'll get back to you, but okay. I want to include Beat in the in the story because now we hear that you've joined Mavingo in documentarying. Aha. So catch us ca- catch us up from from the beginning. What led you on this path?
2: Yeah, let me let me directly combine it with our project story. <laughs> so I moved here like a year after I finished journalism school to work for the German television office. And that was like kind of three years ago. And we caught up after we had gotten to know each other two years before and started hanging out again and also started talking about photography and about like where we want to head and at some point Mavingo came up with his idea. In the beginning the idea was mostly um, kind of doing a very creative reenactment of Mau Mau situations and then so I grew up in Dachau and Dachau is close to Munich and In Germany, Dachau is famous in a not so good way because it was the city with the first concentration camp in the Nazi time. We moved there when I was 11 because my father started working in the concentration camp memorial site. He's a historian and uh, he also studied theology. And so I grew up with the stories of people who survived the concentration camp, with the stories of people who didn't survive and with the... Kind of the message was the message of my father was always like that it's super important to preserve those stories, Mm. to preserve the stories, to know what happened, to be able to, yeah, recognize the stories of people, the lives of people, and to make sure it's not forgotten and to make sure certain things you can't make sure, but to try and fight so that certain things in history don't repeat themselves and so when Mavingo approached me with the idea of the reenactment I was like it would be super interesting to talk to the people and get more of the stories because unlike him in his childhood I, I didn't know any of the stories yet then we started going to Kavotiri, the place he mentioned earlier because Mavingo had gotten to know a cultural group there he'll tell you more about them in a minute. So they were our models later and they were also the ones who like looked for the survivors in their village and for the witnesses, we sometimes call them. And then that was kind of the starting point when we went there and yeah, met the witnesses who told us what they remember about, about the Mamau resistance. They were all in different, I would say, positions. Some were... Some were in the forest, some were in the villages, some were in the they called the called them Gishagis, like seclusion camps where they were locked at night by the British so that they can't support the mama Some were part of the home guards. So yeah, we were trying to gather all those different perspectives on the on what happened here in the fifties.
0: I think that's a very interesting journey. First of all, you're from Germany, Birte. And That's very interesting that you grew up directly involved with the Holocaust, at least memorial aspect of it. How was that growing up in that town, the history aspect of it? Because I'm thinking in this project you have with Mavingo, I don't accuse Kenyans of anything, but I just don't feel like our level of appreciating you know, the tension between the past and the present and how do we make up for it, how do we talk about it, how do we study it, how do we remember it. I don't think it's as obvious or as structured here to that extent that it is in Germany. I think Germany has just as interesting a past as Kenya in terms of the idea of self-determination, which I think... You know, let us, you know, rule ourselves. Or I don't want to be political, but that aspect of nationalism and what it means and how it can go this way or that way, who gets to be a nationalist. So I find your combination really interesting with the aspect or knowledge. So, anyway, my question to you, Berthe, is how is it with that history of the German history? Tell me if I'm putting you at a spot, I don't mean to, but with your German history and now documenting our history, how is that like? Are you seeing like we should do more?
2: Is our history up to
0: par? Are you finding what, what, what's what's your opinion generally? How are you finding it?
2: I do. I find it interesting to generally hear stories about what happened, and I'm really glad that um, I get I get to learn. When we were in the field, I was mostly. In the background, because obviously I don't speak Kiambo. I mean, my, my Kiswahili <laughs> is okay by now, but my Kiembu is at zero. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, I, I got to the stories a bit later. But yeah, what you were asking about, I mean, Germany was also a colonial power. Germany mm. had colonies um, in East Africa and Southern Africa and Western Africa. And as much as Germany does talk a lot about its Nazi history... It's the history of Hitler, what he did, of the Holocaust, the little it talks about colonial injustices. Mm. So it's a very selective way of talking about the past that you find in Germany. So um, the things that are like commemorated are very specific. Not all the injustices are commemorated in the same way. Now that I'm living in Kenya and... I get the chance to learn more about the history. I think it's really important to to document the stories in a way that they are accessible to future generations. And that's why we also ended up not only like talking to people and noting down what they are saying, but mm-hmm. like actually video recording their kind of testimonies or I don't know how you would call that in a way.
0: I think for me... It translates. I mean, I'm gonna give a little bit mini analysis on history because it touches me. The one thing I asked at the unseen again, like you said, you started out with portraits. You have portraits which you've made into postcards of the people who you also interviewed. Yeah, I think they're beautiful. It's beautiful photography, and it captures the people humanistically. It's very nice. But I I had a conversation with. a friend of mine and she's a student and she studies history. And one, one criticism she had was looking at photos in the past and not seeing names. So I was like, my bingo, please put names (laughs) of the people because when we come back in the, in the, in the future tomorrow or three years from now, and it's a very compelling story and like, but who was, who, who was they? Who, who were they also at the end of the day?
1: Yeah. Um, we, Maybe in the video we did not include the names because I would like to think of what we showed at unseen as a as a trailer mm-hmm. to our full film. Uh, maybe that's why we did not include the names, or maybe like what filmmakers call lower dads like the little name tags at the bottom
0: and it's in the postcard I think the the, the film is fine but I was just feeling like in in the postcard it's like oh this person has a good image but what's their name Uh, (laughs) let's
2: say let's say maybe that's actually uh, because so we planned it as an exhibition and Uh, Teresa has our booklet here. (laughs) So in the booklet, you have the names and the stories corresponding to the pictures. Mm -hmm. And the postcards were like kind of a last minute thing of like, if we do an exhibition, maybe it would be nice for people to have something Mm. to take home and to like keep telling those stories. And yeah, we just didn't think about it. No, yeah. it's uh, not a criticism, but I was just like, <laughs> No, but it's good. <laughs> it's, criticism it's good, is good, good, good to feedback. grow. Okay, great,
0: great, yeah. <laughs> great. Okay, so guys, we will we will be finding a bit yeah. more naming. <laughs> Please bring maybe, it up.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe in the next the next set of prints, we we'll, we must include the names of yeah. the the witnesses.
0: We personalize them a yeah. little bit. Yeah, yeah. Ah, fantastic. Okay me, I'm not an influencer. <laughs> I've influenced today. Totally. <laughs> okay, but not taking away from what you're doing, again. Um, so, a little bit backwards with Mavingo. Your uncles who are in the Mau Mau, did you get to speak to them also?
1: Uh, they're not my uncles. They are, oh, how do you call them? My grandparents do. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Like they it are was the, your... My, my grandfather's, grandfather's brothers. brothers. Right, yes. right. Uh huh. What's the question?
0: Did you also get
1: to speak with them? I've met two of them. Mm -hmm. One was not so friendly (laughs) because of inheritance issues. So he was not very close with my grandfather. That's (laughs) his stepbrother. He was called Njeru. The other one was super old. He was also called Mavengo. He took his father's name. But I did not get to speak to him that much because I was still pretty young. And even the thoughts of having to do this project did not come as early in those early days. Mm. And he he also died like a little of a, a decade or so ago. Mm-hmm. And he, he lived in Manyata, but my grandfather lives in a place called Kadangarire, lived in a place called Kadangarire. So I never got to speak to his brothers directly, but my grandfather says that his brother, Mavengo was among the... He was not at the top leadership, but he was among like... You know how you, there's a commander and there's someone small, like, below the commander? He had, like, a rank in the Mau Mau. Okay. Um, in the embu lead, leadership. So, he was kind of close to people like Kubu Kubu. I'm sure you heard about him during the right the screening at Unseen. Um, so, I did not get to speak to him directly. Okay. But um, my grandfather was told us some of his experiences and... He also had like scars and stuff from the fight, and I think I was still pretty young. That's why I never got to like talk to him directly before he passed away.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, but my I think from because my my grandfather did not simply just tell us the experiences of his brothers only. Mm-hmm. He spoke about it like even the experience of him being um, how do I say it? He was a regular person. You know how you are caught up between um, fight, a fight? Like, there are people who are collaborators and there are people who are pro Mao. So it was difficult for a normal person. And even from the stories from the people who told us, there was, it was a really difficult period because if you support the Mao, mm-hmm. there's chances of you being jailed or um, being tortured because your relative or your friend is a fighter. Or if you are Pro-government, there's chances that the bomba would kill you or hurt someone who is a member of your family. So it was there was that side of stories that um, maybe a lot of people, and I think most people from ni- 1950s who lived in Embu, uh, Nyeri, Central Kenya in general, they had a really bad experience in their lives were at at risk, and it didn't matter what side you were in. You are yeah. You You're still
0: were, part of the fight.
1: Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just, I think that's what some of the things we wanted to highlight in the the film. Hmm. People, regular people who, I mean, I don't think a lot of people want to be involved in war and we can see the same situation. Maybe like in places like Ukraine and Russia where people went, there are people who are just caught in the middle of it. And they don't have a place to go. And if there's war, like today, let's say there's war in Nairobi today. Mm. Whether you are supporting one side or the other, there's There's war. There's war. You're going either to be hurt or you're going to be displaced from your home. And there's all those problems that arise from war that these people in our project are talking about. And we spoke to, so our documentary, um, we interview eight people who lived through the 1950s. Some of them were Maumau fighters. Some of them were just regular people who were not supporting any side. Uh, we also interviewed someone who was a home guard. And he, he was an officer of the government, the, the British government. And they're the people who we call, or they were called the home guards. And they'll tell you their experiences and the reasons why they became um, home guards and all. And they chose not to fight for Kenya's independence. So it's, uh, I think it's good we we got these stories because... It shows you, like, you don't really have a choice when it comes to war, mm-hmm. and it affects you whether you like it or not. One of the guys we interviewed is called Joseph, and he's, he was um, a home guard for the British government, and his wife was a Mau fighter, or a Mau. She was more of a supporter, but she was... I mean, in this case, you ended up in the forest, whether you liked it or not. It's either you were <laughs> in the forest or you were in the concentration camp, um, so... Like you'd find yours all these people have different experiences, and it's it's surprising that the two ended up together as a couple <laughs>
0: <laughs> what yeah <is> but that?
1: <laughs> I, I don't know it's it's that's it just shows you how complex yeah. um life in Kenya was in the nineteen fifties during uh colonial rule um so Joseph says the reason he went to fight was because he wanted his children to survive, mm. and he thought. If he chose to be a government officer mm-hmm. or a home guard, his children would be safer, closer to the, the government offices and the fighters wouldn't really dare to come and uh, attack a, maybe a police station or a, or a DC's office camp or something. So he felt if he lived maybe near the quarters like, or in the quarters of the police, police or the home guards, his children would be more safe than being out there where there was active war going on and there was random attacks from Maumau and the government officers. So So
0: there were just people trying to do their best to survive Mm -hmm. in the situation that they found themselves in. Yeah, I think, like you're saying, for me, the documentary is good because it's bringing out the normal person. You know, we all have... Now I'm gonna say gishagi, <laughs> but I feel hurt about that word because yeah. I realize that its origins are actually not as yeah. benign as we grew up yeah, I mean, calling we call, it. Yeah, you know? like
1: gishagi maybe to us means uh we're going. I'm going to my grandma's place yes. or or the village, <laughs> you know, like or the small town where our parents and grandparents live. That's what gishagi means for us. But gishagi for these people who lived in the 1950s means the gulags yes they're like i saw we were we also showed i know you were there we also mm-hmm. showed like the yes
0: the propaganda video The propaganda oh video from
1: gosh. like the british we're um, going
0: to link it
1: on <laughs> this show because <laughs> yeah and, and we saw wow. we saw some of the images from those camps yeah and they uh, like in the f- in that film that we all watched we saw them saying like it's like they were bringing the people cuz it was safer for them to mm-hmm. live in the mm-hmm. camp mm-hmm. than to live in their homes mm. and like when you compare what you see in the film mm. and what the people say their experiences were it's such a wide contrast cuz these people say they were taken away from their homes and put in camps. But according to the British propaganda film we saw, it says that it was a safe place for mm-hmm. people to stay away from the Mau Mau. Right. And
0: <laughs> it's a question of who's, who was reporting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, what is it? The, the proverb is when the lion is telling the story, something, yeah. something, something. But it's yeah. about perspective. Who Who is telling the story? And yeah. that's why you guys pairing for me is like, wow. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's, and that's why it was, it was important for us to talk to these people mm. and not just do like the reenactment part, mm. like, inis- like how we initially wanted to do the, the project. That's why we decided to go out and get these stories from the horse's mouth, like from the fighters themselves. Let them tell us why they went into the forest to fight or um, if it's the home guard, let them tell us why they decided to side with the British and you know all those sides of the stories are important to cover and i would really love people to come through and watch the full film we've not decided on the date but um please maybe if you're listening to to the project to this podcast um i don't know months from now
0: <laughs> <laughs> i know because it... <laughs>
1: <laughs> make sure just make sure yeah we have we we have a, we have an instagram page it's called untoldstories.kenya mm-hmm. that is where we post uh, all our upcoming events Our exhibitions, our screenings, and anything else that we are doing that is in in relation to this project.
0: Thanks for that. (laughs) Plug in as much as possible. We will try and get this show out before your screening. The propaganda video.
1: Yeah.
0: How 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 do we know you are not giving us propaganda?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So for so the like as a filmmaker, you as a documentary filmmaker, you have to go out and collect facts. Mm -hmm. um and for you to collect facts you have to get one side of a story and uh, another side of the story from like maybe in this case like the victims Mm -hmm. we've already seen the propaganda film from the british Mm so we actually saw this british film way later i think it's also a good thing we did our project because it's it shows like exactly how different things were it's not in the British perspective in this case. It's the experiences mm. of the Kenyan people, especially the people, the Mau Mau people in Embu and the people in Embu in general. This is a chance for them to speak their minds because there isn't a lot of material... Whether it's in form of re- literature or films or photography, there's very little content when it comes to Mao Mau and Mao Mau fighters. So this for us is a chance because these people are growing older and they are, I mean, they are dying. They're in their 90s now and the hundreds. So we won't have these stories. We won't have a chance to have these stories because whatever is in our textbooks is either minimal or it's also like a continuation of. that same British propaganda.
0: How was it communicating? Who was translating for you or were you doing all the translating for yourself? (laughs) Because you're saying they're older. I agree with you. We have so many challenges in getting the truth. In our day and age, we are getting the generation who lived through that now leaving us, unfortunately. And Mm -hmm. there's a proverb that says the death of an old person is like the burning of a library. Mm -hmm. There's so much knowledge which they're going to go with. Yeah. And a lot of that knowledge is also hidden in the language because our languages are changing. And on that note, I want to introduce the word entropy. And entropy meaning how things get a little bit more complicated over time. So it has its origins in physics and it means, I'm going to read out from the internet, the energy consumed in doing unproductive or necessary work. But here's the thing where culture comes in. So in in, cult- in cultural entropy, it, it reveals the degree of dysfunction in an organization or in a system that is generated by self-serving actions. But more of the definition that I want to see is that we have a concept of time and we have things that occur in time. Like in Kenya. In this day and age, we are dealing with so many things that people are talking about, complications and how do we know the truth. I like you saying that you're going directly to the people who existed and lived through this for the direct truth from their own words. But then now if they disappear, it gets complicated because how do we get that truth? Like The entropy, just the life gets more complicated for us. Yeah. I value, and I think that's why what you're doing is important because in 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 as much as things get complicated, we still have a source of truth, mm. so I hope you guys don't do a lot of propaganda when we wa- when we watch the two of your documentaries together, mm. I hope it gives us a line of truth that that we're missing at least in the in the way we study our history in this country so other than that,
2: what you- let me jump in on a <laughs> on a topic you were just talking about. You were just talking about school school curriculums. School curriculums, yes, and um, that was also like part of our beginning in the very of our conversation in the very beginning um when i was like how how are you taught about history in school and um i mean because germany lost world war Two, um there's a very clear version of history because as germany lost the war it's clear that germany did a lot of really 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 really, really bad things and millions of people died because of that and um to kind of bring that history alive. Like, I mean, we are taught that history in all kinds of different variations. But we also, especially as I, I went to school in Dachau, from time to time we had witnesses come to our school, like 80, 90 year old people who had survived the concentration camp and who had come back for certain events or for commemoration and they came to the school and they talked about their experience and what they lived through and I think yeah for me those all those um, encounters really left a mark and really made me understand better kind of what had happened and what what an impact it had on people's life and yeah so we were just trying to see um, yeah if somehow we can preserve those voices here
0: and I think it's very important I think we need it It's sad that we don't have what you have in Germany even though you have expressed to us that it's not everything that's being discussed in the history. So I think that's a good highlighting that even even as we think about how we can improve here, we also need to know that we can't benchmark everything. We also need to have homegrown solutions, which is why I like you taking it up.
2: Yeah, and I mean, it's a totally different context. True. So yeah, there's (laughs) no one-size-fits-all solution to talk about history, but generally to have that debate and to further the discourse and to like see... Where are we coming from, like as a nation, as a society? I think it's really important.
0: Not one size fits all. I think. So, what what do you think of that, Mavingo?
1: Yeah, I think there's a uh, as we have different experiences. Like, like if we compare between now and like the Mau Mau times, that's that's like what sixty, seventy years now. Mm. I feel like as Africans, we have we do not have a culture of um, documenting and preserving our experiences Mm. as a society.
0: Do we, or or that's what we're told? How do you feel? I think
1: so. For like as we were talking about creating this project, um, there are several other stories that we would like to work on, Mm -hmm. and I mean in those seventy years. Um, like between the 1950s and now, it's 2023. There are certain things as Kenyans uh, we have experienced that we don't really talk about. We don't talk about um, we don't talk about 207, 208 post-election violence. Uh, we don't talk about the Nyayo Chambers. <laughs> There's so many things that I mean, how many documentaries, Teresa, have you seen or had? About um, two or seven, I think the only person who has really documented like the post-election violence was Boniface Mwangi,
0: and that was him documenting it on the day. Yes. After that, who who?
1: I'm actually wondering. I don't know. Like, there's no follow-up, and if it's there, we don't really get to see it. Mm. And I think with the internet right now, can Mm. we, as creators, as filmmakers photographers writers all these people can we it's our chance to document these things because 2007 is what barely 20 years ago right it's it's not even 20 years yet right it's like 15 years ago Mm -hmm. that is so recent so recent we want i would like to work on such things like it's like we forgot it's like we forgot
0: and who who can we blame for this forgetting
1: ourselves
0: (laughs) why ourselves
1: because i'm I'm, wondering i think we are waiting i don't know i don't know i think maybe we're waiting for like a foreigner to come and you know how Hi, beauty You know, you know how you know how on Twitter we come up with uh, not we come up like we mm. talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I like that Twitter is pretty active nowadays. Like mm. Kenyans on Twitter are very active when it comes to these sensitive topics. Mm-hmm. I would love to see other filmmakers and also myself. I would like to challenge myself to work on those stories. Mm. Um, I don't remember your friend's name, but she was at unseen and she spoke to us about the Mungiki sect.
0: That was Kathy. Hi, Kathy. (laughs) Yeah, hi,
1: Kathy. Like, when Kathy spoke to me for those few minutes about the mungiki, Mm -hmm. it's like we also forgot the mungiki. (laughs) It's like, I mean, these people used to kill people every day in town, even here in Nairobi.
0: Yeah. And And all of a sudden, they've come back to the limelight. Yeah, for the wrong
1: reasons. Yeah. And you ask simply, why? it's simply okay, because yeah. we do not speak about these things. We like to mm-hmm. like cover up, and you know, when you cover up, um, it's it's like a volcano. The more you pressure it, the more it will like it will come out more with a with a with more force. Like I feel like as creators, we have a chance. We have so many sto- stories as Kenyans or Africans in general. Like even you know, like small small things that we think are not important, but they come to haunt us like a decade later or 20 years later because we do not speak about it. We do not solve the problem or we do not even try to solve the problem. So it becomes bigger. It's like, a,
0: but a, why, why are we stuck? Are we stuck in a, in an analyzing? Like, are we contributing to, <laughs> to the problem here, speaking about it? Or are you feeling like actually what we need is more people doing more speaking because we are speaking of things, because Twitter is busy every day. Connie, yeah. what are we talking about
1: then? Uh, what are just, you saying? We're just talking. We're just talking. There's like little action on, <laughs> on all these things. So uh, what
0: would you want to see? How how would you chat our way forward, for example?
1: Um, I w- Let me say, like, in, in all these things, whether it's social issues or cultural issues or whatever issues we have as a, as Kenyans or Africans, I think we are, it's our time to speak up mm. and it's, it's everybody's job. Like for me as a creator, as a filmmaker, it's my opportunity to create a film that talks about our issues, whether they are issues in the past or current. If you have a podcast, host people who are talking about these topics. Like if it's environmental issues every day, like today I saw along Limuru Road, they already bring down trees because of the road. It's a good thing to build the road, but What's the plan of, like...
0: What happens to the trees? (laughs) Yeah, like,
1: are you going to plant more trees and Mm. where are you going to plant those trees? It might not seem very important because we have, like, this busy Nairobi life, but can we speak to those issues? Like, as a writer, even doctors, like, if there's corruption going on and you're a police officer and you feel like this isn't right, Mm. speak about it. And you feel like, if you feel like your life is at risk, find other ways, like there's so many turns and corners that you can use to speak to these um, issues. Like I feel like as Africans we, we are we, we are sold fear so much. Like we are always in fear. And it all boils down from like colonialism and the fear that was put in us. So mm-hmm. it became like a culture for us to 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 always fear to speak up when there is issues. And it's surprising that even when it comes to elections, we go back to fear fear <laughs> like i'm going to elect this guy because i fear if he doesn't become um the mca the president or is going to do is going to do this or he's not going to do this or my family is going to be at risk because i did not accept a bribe it's those small issues that it's that fear that we have as africans and i think it's time to not fear
0: and one last time i'm just going to go back and say that people need to listen to your documentary at least watch it if not watch it listen yeah so that they hear what people went through i know we hear it from other avenues it won't be the first time that people hear these things but i think we need to hear it more from different people just to see how widespread it is not it's not a rumor i think i guess we think things are rumors sometimes (laughs) yeah Yeah. so i'm sad about the trees I know. Uh, that Thank one you. has caught me. Um, okay, so any, any last words? Anything you want to add on to let us know as we wrap up? Yeah. Uh,
1: so uh, before, like, let me just go back. Um, like how we started the project. Uh, we, we, I saw some pictures of some guys who are performing in Embu. They are a cultural group called Kwemin Madigari Complex.
0: <laughs> Does it have a translation?
1: <laughs> so, like, Minjora means it's like to to sprout out oh. or to. So, so Minjora madigare is like to sprout out of the rocks or the stones. Okay. So it's like um, something good that is coming out of a hard situation. Like that's mm-hmm. what the name of the group means. They are a cultural dance and music group um based in Embu. Okay. Based in kavotere But okay. they usually perform like during all these uh, public holiday celebration thingies and weddings and stuff. But uh the reason I I decided to use them as um as part of our project is because they have that Mau Mau look. Like they have dreadlocks. <laughs> Uh-huh. So, this
0: is the group Beate <laughs> had, had alluded to, yes. the community based organization yes. in
1: Embu. Yeah. Okay. So, Kwemijora. Kwemijora Madigari. Madigari. Mean, you're saying it. Has, in Kikuyu. Saying, <laughs> but it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> yeah, they are. I would really love to see this group perform because they are super talented. Okay. I think the, the oldest is like 50 years old or they are about. And the youngest is like just from high, high school. So it's a group of ten or so people. They have like a permanent five or so members, okay. but the other people who come and join, like when they have a project. We are going to create we're going to record some songs this next this week. This week. Embu songs? Mau Mau songs.
0: Mau Mau songs. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so we are going to record some Mau Mau songs with them because they really sound amazing. These guys are amazing performers, they are amazing singers. And they got training from one of the guys we experienced, uh, we, we interviewed, sorry. Mm. One of the guys we interviewed is called Bernard Nyaga. He's like an 80-something-year-old man who was helping to build weapons for the Maumau. So he's helping them like rewrite the songs from back in the day, Maumau songs and cultural Embu songs. So I think this is also a good opportunity for us to preserve history in wow. a different way. So yeah. I'm also excited for that.
0: Oh that sounds so exciting. Yeah, and
1: maybe we're going to use some of these songs in our project. So it sounds as <laughs> as good as possible. So you're
0: making your own soundtrack even. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Nice. Nice nice. That sounds really exciting.
1: Yeah. So if if people out there are looking for a group to perform like you know if you have like if you want to have a cultural dance group mm-hmm. and I know Embo, the Embo community is very small so they, we don't we don't get like the limelight like other communities so this is an opportunity for you to work with a great group of creatives mm-hmm. in whatever like if you want to have them in your event or in one way or another it's good to also shout them out because they have really helped us in this project
0: that's great. So they helped you with getting the people you interviewed. Yes. And, oh, and yeah. Some
1: of these people are their relatives or neighbors, and oh. yeah.
0: So it's an intergenerational group. Mm. They perform, and you guys are gonna be recording soon. Can't wait to hear yes. that. <laughs> are you going to be part of the performance? <laughs>
2: I'm, yeah probably got instrumentals. <laughs> I'm gonna be there. Oh, uh, but uh, like my part of performance was on this <laughs> past weekend with the Nairobi Orchestra. Yeah. That's when yes. I was on stage, oh. but not Thank. an ember.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for the invite. Sorry, I couldn't make it. I was in Athi River. Oh. But oh, okay, Beate. Any any last remarks? I mean, we didn't talk about your experience as the escort I think you must have so many stories there but any anything you'd like to say as yeah as the observer in this situation um
2: maybe rather that I'm really looking forward to like keep exploring more and keep learning more about Kenyan history and yeah I have the feeling we are we are a good team when it comes to motivating each other and I think it's really important like if you're doing creative stuff and I mean I'm freelancing for a living so it's like you're often on your own and mm. mavingo is also a freelance photographer so you have to push yourself a lot of the times but like it's really cool that in this project we are the two of us and we can like whenever one doesn't have energies to move on the other one will be like but yeah let's just plan a next exhibition and let's get it going again and then we have an event and things are coming out of it and we're like yeah okay cool we we need to we need to come back to it and really put more energy and then we have a high energy phase and we get something done And yeah, i'm looking forward to see you wear the final the final product the final documentary
0: (laughs) awesome awesome and amazing and you guys have given mavingo i want to give your instagram which you had shared with me or would you like to go ahead and give that to us
1: um so for our project or because we actually want to do this as a like a series. So this is like the Mau resistance in Embu is kind of our first project. But we are working on Untold Stories. This is kind of our first project. So if you want to find the Mau project and maybe even other projects in future, you can find us on Instagram. Our handle is at untoldstories.kenya. So uh, that's where we post all our work, our events and stuff. But my personal project, uh, my personal handle is at mavingo.photo.
0: At mavingo.photo. Yes,
1: on Instagram.
0: And you're involved in photography, documentary, filmmaking. Yeah, so,
1: like, my major gig is photography. Like, that's how I am living in Nairobi. Yeah, so if
0: people need <laughs> that photography, they can give me <laughs> yes, a shout-out. Yes,
1: please. Go okay. go to my Instagram, um, find at mavingo.photo. Um, if you have an event, uh, if you want your products or whatever photographed or you come through.
0: (laughs) Awesome, awesome. And Birte, you want to leave us your handles?
2: Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and also on Twitter. You also find Mavingo under the same name on Twitter. He has told you. Um, It's at mensbirte. So it's M-E-N-S-B-I-R-T-E. B-I-R-T-E. At mensbirte.
0: Okay, great. Thank you so much. And... I hope, well, the show is as exciting for the listener as it was for me. I've enjoyed taking a step back. I will leave descriptions on the Mau Mau, and I I know we didn't expound, but I wanted to save the time to hear from our guests, and then we can read about the Mau Mau in the description. Also, we'll link Beate and Mavingo's ads on the description and then the documentary, and it comes out definitely gonna add that propaganda video because i think at this stage at least we can laugh (laughs) at how ridiculous it was but it scares me that that message is probably not ringing as untrue for everybody out there and so i hope your documentary gets to reach as many people as it can at least to demystify that aspect of our history that you know that needs to be demystified for those who still haven't gotten the message so thank you so much for joining us and we will see you next episode good day